I guess Star Wars uh, Battlefront would count. Oh well, yeah, Star oh, Wars games are a whole separate. Whole yeah, separate it's, it's it's like the little. Sean's gonna, gonna say if we count that, we gotta count that really good uh, Fallen Jedi or whatever it's called. Oh, Fallen Order. That was okay. It's oh, kind of oh, like yeah. watered down Dark Souls, but it's it wasn't bad. Yeah, I just like man. I was just really enjoying being in the environment of Star yeah. Wars as opposed to just you know watching it on TV or whatever. I loved um, Star Wars Racer, where you drive the pod racers. And I, I recently got it on the PlayStation 4, and I, like, it's funny the muscle memory that comes back, where all of a sudden you're, like, reacting <laughs> before you even see some of the turns and stuff. It, it was wild, just kind of feeling it all come back to me, but it was a lot of fun. Sounds like that force to me. <laughs> I got that exactly. first was from when I got the N64 as a kid, and that was the reason, I never, I never saw a movie until, I think, three years later. <laughs> That's maybe the best way to experience Phantom Menace is through the video game first. Yeah, yeah definitely. There was something... Yeah, uh, that was the first DVD I ever got. And first time I watched it, I loved it. Second time I watched it, I asked my parents to return it to the store. <laughs> what changed your mind for you? Uh, I don't know, because like, that was my first Star Wars movie, period. And the second time, like, oh, this is kind of, like, as a 10-year-old, I thought, like, this is really boring. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> they all have it. Doesn't feel like filler in the other movies. Well, except for the last three movies do feel like filler. <laughs> except all the terrible recent movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm ready to go whenever you guys are. Okay. This is... Speaking of three-hour... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, fine. All right. Uh, this is uh, oh, uh, no real start this time. Who cares? Uh, I'm Spencer. This is shoots a piano player. Joel's here too. So is Martin hey. Kessler. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this movie that we picked, uh, well, well, Martin picked, is on the list because it was something I heard of. Uh, for a long time, is one of those. Well, we're covering Italian movies, so I guess I should watch uh, some Visconti. And uh, uh, I'm not sure he's my guy. Yeah, that's fair. That's. <laughs> I like it more than Antonioni. This uh, this wasn't like a. I aggressively hated it the whole time. This is just. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Visconti's not for me. Does he have any movies that that actually uh, feel? Well, I guess this is Italian, and I'm thinking of French. Mm hmm. Mm. I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know either. I just knew it was a costume drama, and that That's was usually... the extent. I mean, he started off. He was like a realist filmmaker. He was doing. Um, if you watch his early early stuff like Obsession, it's like kind of more typical Italian neorealists like I'm going to film the poor's kind of <laughs> movie making but uh, I think Senso is kind of like the first sort of bigger costume drama and then it kind of led to this um, of course I, I think Rocco and his brothers kind of comes in between and that's a pretty famous one but uh, I think like th this was sort of a big deal for him um, it won the Palme d'Or I think if uh, I'm uh, remembering Martin, that right Martin yes. what, is, what is the movie? Oh, the the leopard. Sorry, <laughs> we didn't say the title. Uh, yeah, the the leopard by uh, Lucino Visconti. 
It's uh, it's starring Burt Lancaster as this uh, Italian, well, uh, Sicilian, I guess, specifically nobleman. This is in the era. The uh, it starts off in 1860, and it's yeah. the period when like Italy wasn't unified. It was basically like a bunch of different countries, bunch and you're countries, sort of yeah. seeing that uh, transition over the course of this film. Germany was doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah. Just a bunch of different kingdoms and then you know, democracy became a thing and they're like, I guess we should do that, sort of, I guess. <laughs> How long did that last? For either country. <laughs> uh it, it didn't go too well for either one though. Oh no. Um Yeah, this is I mean first of all, it's it's kind of a long film. It's uh, yeah. It's over three hours long, and this, it's this, this was no Celine and Julie. This was like, for me, the first half was a struggle. Second half, I, it clicked in, but it it, mm. it it took took a little bit for me. I would say like, I'm somebody who likes history. I like historical films, especially when they kind of approach history from sort of an oblique angle or some kind of interesting artistic approach that's not obvious. And I feel like a lot of this film it is kind of the obvious approach where it's I mean it, it's based on a famous novel um, and a lot of it feels like it's it's very directly adapted from a novel with the way people speak and the kind of scenes the way they're structured and people you know giving these like yeah. long kind of ruminations it, it's very sort of film version of novelistic uh, yeah but I imagine then, I imagine this is what the Kurosawa cut of the idiot would have turned into potentially oh you think so oh yeah, yeah maybe the original cut was five hours long and it was cut down almost in half yeah uh, well anyway but then it gets to like that sequence at the end that i think you're kind of hinting at the sort of ball party ballroom the, the sweatiest ballroom i've yeah. ever seen i mean to me that's like that's that's the movie, <laughs> you know. That's the thing I, I love in the Leopard is that kind of ballroom sequence where I feel like the storytelling kind of shifts and it becomes a little bit more more visual and a little bit more um, I don't know, like you can see the use of film to explore these themes instead of just like having characters talk about them. I think like uh, even though I mean it depends which version you watch but I think like the preferred version they usually recommend is the Italian one where Burt Lancaster is dubbed into Italian so you don't hear his voice but like his performance in that last section when there's very little dialogue and it's just kind of him wandering around and you feel like you're watching the end of an era in real time is, is really compelling to me so it's like I don't think it's a I mean it's a very I always think of it as like a very handsome film where like oh the, the costumes are gorgeous oh, yeah, yeah. and the scenery and the photography it's all like immaculate but it's it's like ah like I don't really love it and then it kind of gets there by the end where there's this sort of uh, 40 minute stretch 45 minute stretch where I'm like oh okay like I can say I love this and I I think like uh, if if it was a little bit less conventional the whole film basically just could have been that where it's like oh you know we're going to tell the story of the end of this era just through one ball where you know you see them like getting tired over the course of the night and it feels like you know it's uh, it, it really is kind of like the, the end of that era like I was thinking of a film that you might want to watch I mean 
after three hours. I don't know if you'd want to watch the second feature, but like <laughs> a good kind of pairing to think about for me. I was thinking of um, the Satyajit Ray film, The Music Room. I don't know, have either of you seen it? No. Uh, yeah, Ray is a big blind spot for me still. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to like go off like you guys saying that you're not as into this and then be like, oh, and you should also watch this other movie. But that's, it's a much shorter <laughs> film. But like, that film also has this sort of long sequence where the guy basically, you know, puts on this uh, song and dance show with performers that he's hired. And you feel like you're watching kind of, uh, you know, the end of an era. And it's all sort of about the end of that, like, Indian aristocracy at that point in time. And it, it's similar in some ways. It's <laughs> It's not like stylistically that's similar but I like how you know in this film it's sort of represented just with the dancing and the spaces and the way things kind of fade into the quiet of the night or early morning and the way that like at the very end when Bert Lancaster just kind of like wanders off you know like his his time is over this uh, nobleman who's who's got no place in the future yeah um Ha, uh, Martin, have you seen? I want to say your name wrong. Uh, the, the 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 anthology movie that um, Visconti had a segment in. Boccaccio, Boccaccio seventy. Yes. Oh, um, I don't think I've seen all of it. I might have seen like one of the segments. Um, who, there, there's somebody famous in that. Who's in that? Sophia um, Loren's in it. Um, she is in Thomas uh, Milan, Romy Schneider. Schneider, Schneider is in yeah. the uh, 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 Bascati segment. Anita. I, I might have seen it not, not recently. Uh, if I have it, it didn't leave like a massive impression. Sorry. Okay. I no, thought you fine. told him what to watch before he came on here. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, I I got the Blu-ray on a sale and cut. That's my first uh, Visconti thing, and his segment is probably the one I like the least in the movie. Okay, I think because the the other uh, directors, it's uh, it's Fellini, Monticelli. it's uh, Monticelli, Monticelli and Monticelli. Uh, De Sica, right? Yes. The uh, Monticelli segment is, I think, is the best one, and it's the open opening one. The Fellini Monticelli. one. What? What? Nothing. Okay. What the Fellini one is like that, like Fellini thing of like it's kind of dreaming grotesque, but kind of like I don't know, it's fine. Like there's b big boobs in it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Fellini is a filmmaker. I, I kind of have a hard time with. Like he's sort of there's some of his movies that I, I like, but it, it's like it's funny that a lot of my favorite filmmakers I'll hear guys like Milo Schwarman or Alexi Grimman and when they're talking they're like oh man Fellini like the guy and I'm like oh like not that there's I don't know like yeah. there, there's something that doesn't entirely click but I can see that like there's obviously like a huge influence on yeah. like a lot of filmmakers who I, I really love so it's yeah, like yeah, I, I should clarify that, that his segment is like a billboard of a sexy woman and there's this very prudish man who hates it and, and, the, and it becomes a giant woman who carries him around oh i have seen this the the drink more milk yes yes okay i, I have <laughs> it's just a little like i don't know it's it's it's, it's just a fleeting thing of like i appreciate his his, his style and influence i i just don't really 
It's not for me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm more of an ass man, so that's <laughs> <laughs> maybe not for me. More of a, uh, yeah, um, yeah. So, Joel, what did you think of? Uh, I I wouldn't, rec- wouldn't recommend that anthology movie unless like you really are a diehard completist. It's it's fine overall. But uh, Joel, what's your uh, what's what's your take on the leopard? I I can appreciate how unique the movie is. Like I, I initially I was excited because I noticed things that I thought of as a realist uh, a scene taken into neorealism in even though it's actors playing these people. But like uh, there's a scene where in the beginning. The, the main character gets like a letter and he you know he's opening the the thing and and you can tell that the actor's having trouble getting it out of the envelope or something like that as Burt Lancaster is but they don't cut they don't stop he eventually gets it out and, but as the movie went on uh, I started to feel like I, I just could not pay attention anymore like um, and it's not like a uh, I don't want to say that. It, it to me it was it was boring enough to, for it to be boring. Like that's that's kind of difficult for me. Like at this point, but but I just I couldn't really follow what was going on because of the Italian dubbing it was distracting in some of the ways they were talking, and then once we got to the war scene and I was like oh there's going to be something going on in this movie what do you know but then it goes on for what felt like three hours uh, but no that w- that's not true <laughs> right anyway so from there on I just like I couldn't you know but my brother was like why are you sighing so much I was like ah, no reason <laughs> And, like, I really like the costuming. I, I like you were saying, um, it's, you know, the, the full full bore, like, Gone with the Wind style, thought, things thought out costume-wise and uh, set-wise, I would assume. But, like, yeah, I, I, I could see why this movie would definitely click with some people and I can see why even if it didn't click with me I can acknowledge that it is a good movie for a lot of reasons yeah I had a similar reaction not as negative although I, I fell asleep a few times in the first half oh it's right that see I had the decency not to fall asleep I just took like a you know 20 minute break well I, I started at, <laughs> at 11 at night and like what was it it's gonna fly by. Uh, every <laughs> other like long movie we've had, we covered flew by for me. Yeah. And yeah, th- this one's not exactly a flyby. <laughs> nah, because like Celine and Julie is longer than this, and that movie for me is like it feels like ninety minutes. Yeah, uh, but like this was just starting it late. I was tired. I fell asleep, and I missed maybe maybe twenty minutes or so. So I had to restart this morning, and this morning it was still rough, and then. Like probably like, you know, at the ninety minute uh, mark, hundred minute mark, that's when it's like okay, this is like finally starting to get interesting uh, and starting to click. But it's like, do you like, do you know uh, what point exactly? Uh, no, 
Like a lot of the first half is just like a big old blur of like, hey, there's there's uh Pierre Cle uh, Cle Clement Clemente, what's his fucking name? The guy from Per uh, Chile, and Belderjor. He's one of the sons. Oh, let me see. Uh, what is his name? Clemente. Uh, yeah, Pierre. Cle no, yeah, is it Pierre Clemente? Or Paulo Stone. No, that can't be. It. I think it is Pierre Clemente. Okay, Pierre Clemente played Francisco Paulo Cobero, who is he's, the son. Yeah, he's the redhead one. And seeing Terrence Hill, I was like, okay, this is going to be like, th these are faces I recognize. I don't, I usually don't see these kind of movies. So It's a pretty young Terrence Hill. Like, this is not yeah. the like, comedy western era of Terrence Hill. He's just kind of like L.A. Delon's buddy in this. Yeah, he's just like a handsome guy, which, which was, you know, Whatever, but I was kind of, like I was kind of expecting. Okay, he's gonna be a little funny, and no, <laughs> and Clemente doesn't have that like weird quality yet, or at least it's tamped tamped down in this movie, like he does in the like uh, Belajor and uh, Portugalay has that has that like really weird uh, quality to him. Well, it, like it's such a state movie. I think like purposely so for a lot of it. Um, like one of my favorite visual motifs in the film is the uh, all the busts you see there's like you know all these dead rulers in the form of busts and then it, the way the film kind of connects the aristocracy that you see in the story to that like um there's a scene i think it's uh it's like ash when ash wednesday ash friday wednesday okay <laughs> i'm just done and I never went through that, so I'm not sure. But uh, when they have the ash over their faces, I always think like there's this um, tracking shot, and it shoots them almost like they're already busts. You know, I think like oh, they're already statues, they're already ghosts. They just don't really know it yet. And like it's so kind of like I don't know, uh, dead already. Um, I mean, there's the scene where they're having dinner, and Elaine Delon is like. He makes some kind of like dirty joke or tells a dirty story to um, uh, Claudia Cardinal, and like she starts laughing and she has this kind of like boisterous laugh, <laughs> and it it like upsets everybody and they're like, oh, you should make jokes like that. And Brooke Lancaster like gets up and leaves the dinner because she like laughed too loud and like, you know, in the film, you you do get that sense of like why I would find that like really kind of crass you're doing this like sort of like ugly laugh but at the same time it's like oh like there's actually some life with these younger characters like um I also like you know there's the kind of scene where they're going through some of the back rooms and there's like this hidden chamber in the estate where like they would <laughs> the royalty would go to have their affairs like uh, away from prying eyes but it, it's like this whole you know when she's saying like oh is this um like this is kind of a weird like apartment place he's like oh it's it's not for like living and it's just where you go when you want to have sex basically it's kind of how he's talking about it um so it's i i get why why it would put somebody to sleep this film but at the same time i think like there's a lot that that is sort of interesting and compelling and um i i don't know it, it's hard to like like, I can't really defend if somebody says, like, oh, it's boring. I'm like, yeah, it kind of is. But, like, it's yeah. it's still just sort of this, like, fascinating, staggering kind of a thing. 
like, I can pin, like I can pinpoint like things I personally don't like about movies like this. It's the European period piece thing, which for me, this is always the case. This came up with Brotherhood of the Wolf. All these white people end up looking the same, and it's hard <laughs> for me to remember who's who because like the costume. I'm not like I'm not like a like a history fashion person, so all the costumes with like this era and like the Jane Austen era stuff is just like I can't tell people apart after a certain point. You can tell Burt Lancaster apart because of those like magnificent mutton chops, but um, I, I feel like the film even highlights this at one point where there's the scene of the ball and the. I was just tweeting this out because it, it made me crack up, but when, like, Burt Lancaster's, like, looking at all these, you know, aristocratic young women, these, like, debutantes, and he's like, all these marriages between the cousins are not improving the beauty of our people or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it just made me lose it laughing. Yeah, you, I, yeah. I couldn't tell if that was meant to be a joke or not. I think that's definitely a joke, and I, I think, like, even more so knowing that, like, Visconti got real noble Italians to be in that sequence as extras. He got, like, all this sort of, like, you know, royal buddies or, you know, highborn pals to, like, come in and be dressed up and extras in this scene. I mean, Visconti, I forget if we've already said, but, like, he did have that kind of aristocratic background. He was, um, he was, like, a count of, oh, I forget where, but, he, like, he was a real legit Noblemen basically um, blowing all his money making movies and yeah D- uh, dating Helmut Berger yeah yeah they were uh, they were a couple for for his last couple movies yeah um, which I wonder I mean, if if Visconti lived long enough to see Salon Kitty uh, I'm not sure what, what he, year did Salon Kitty come out uh, the year that he died oh I'm, I'm not sure. I'd have to look at the dates of uh, when he died and when it was released, but... I'll get the Ouija board. <laughs> have to ask his ghost. But, but, I mean, have, have you seen any other films by Visconti? For me, just that the the part of the anthology with Romy Schneider. Okay. And the only highlight of that for, for me was parts of it are Italian, parts are in German. And uh, mm-hmm. it is pretty cool to see Rome Schneider like speaking German. I think, like, like you might like the Helmut Berger films. Um, like, I, I could imagine you liking The Damned because it's just kind of like weird and out there and this sort of like implosion of uh, wealthy, this wealthy family kind of like on the cusp of uh, <laughs> the rise of Nazism. Um, I mean, I don't know. Some, some of them were like kind of weird i'm not gonna lie but like i i really like uh ludwig is is kind of like long two-part biopic about uh, ludwig second it's like i got the the arrow box set version that's got the like the full tv version um that's a really great film and i like i i think that's probably my favorite thing that he's done overall and it's sort of exploring this uh king who's like blowing all this money on fake castles and operas and you know <laughs> to the point where the government was like trying to intervene and uh, and like that that also kind of deals with sort of the end of aristocracy in a way and this uh, like a, a lot of themes that you do see in the leopards although like 
I think that that ball sequence is maybe my favorite specific thing that Visconti's done. It's just, I, I think, like, the film around it feels, um, I don't know, maybe, like, weighed down by the source material in a way or else, uh, like, just a little bit too too static, I, too staid. <laughs> it, it's very... It's pretty, but you can't touch it. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like it, like this of the movies we covered this season. This is like the most like classic Hollywood, uh, most like like yep. stagey movie we've uh, we've talked about. I mean, it's funny. Like I sent you the the trailer for it, and the trailer is <laughs> yeah. is bizarre because it's Burt Lancaster like out of costume, just like addressing an American audience, being like. Hey, this movie's gonna be really good. Trust me, it's gonna be like Gone with the Wind. It's gonna be like Cleopatra. It's gonna be big. You'll love it. And like, you know, Hollywood at that time, these big kind of epics were bombing. Um, people were, you know, losing interest in in that kind of classic Hollywood. That's like right at the end of that classic Hollywood era, where you know, right around the corner, you're gonna have stuff like Easy Rider. Um, so, like, thinking of that in a way, it's, it's like, you know, Burt Lancaster's somebody from the classic Hollywood era and it, it kind of adds something a little bit to the film I think where it feels like even the film itself is sort of this endangered species the last of its kind kind of a feeling you know that like hey you're not really going to see a film that looks like this again this is sort of like the end of that era for filmmaking also and uh, like Burt Lancaster he's really he's, he's one of my favorite actors I think and like he was always great in the classic Hollywood stuff but like my favorite period for him as an actor was kind of like when he was starting to get like a little bit older and like you start seeing the age on him and start seeing the wrinkles and it's like the way he kind of works that into his performance I mean um, my favorite thing that he's ever done is the swimmer which is like all about that and it's very like physical yeah. and very vulnerable but I, I think but you can see yeah, some yeah. of that here where like yeah, yeah I was telling you yeah. yesterday at the like because of the swimmer whenever I see him now, it's tainted because, like, well, I, I was thinking, like, well, there's going to be some dark, fucked-up secret with him and <laughs> everything now. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not quite like that in this, but just, like, you know, you feel his weariness, you feel his age, and, I like, I really, really like how he sells that uh, towards the end of the film. He's just... He's, he's done. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that that's a great performance. It's also sort of interesting, too. Like, Visconti... Um, Visconti was, was gay, of course, and, like... I, I'm a straight guy, but, like, I try to be a little bit more aware of this stuff because it's, it's mm -hmm. art. And, like, you know, there is something interesting going on with, like, taking Burt Lancaster, who, like... You know, he was, like, the Alain Delon of, of his early career. You know, he was considered, like, this gorgeous, beautiful man... And you put him kind of like, you know, a little bit physically past his prime paired with Alain Delon, who's like the the new, like, prettiest male actor you can find. And, and, and you have Terrence Hill there, who you know, who's going to be like, you know, like the the, uh, the other handsome guy you get if you can't get Franco Nero. Yeah, so like, I mean, I, I think like there's something kind of interesting in the juxtaposition between... Burt Lancaster and Elaine DeLong just in terms of like their physical beauty and the age in one and the youth in the other um, I've heard like some people kind of say like you know maybe there's some implied sexual subtext between Burt Lancaster and Elaine DeLong who's playing his nephew in the film but like 
I don't really see that when I watch it. Like I, I, I kind yeah, of yeah, I feel like you'd have to reach. I, I feel like it, it's a little bit of a reach. I think like knowing where Visconti's films go after, you can kind of like go back and kind of push that reading onto the film. But I, I don't see it here. That's just my. No, the th- closest thing to me like that was the end when uh, 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 Claudia Canale, Canale, I always say Italian names wrong. Uh, she wants to dance with Burt Lancaster, and Elaine Delon is acting jealous, and it's like this weird, like, yeah. almost like a cuckolding thing going on. Yeah. And that's like the most sexual, like, And it's almost like, wh- which which person is he jealous of, really, and like the way he kind of watches them. I, I know what you mean. There's, there's, a, there's a thing there. It's like, it goes a little bit more interesting than like, the very kind of like, staid relationship sort of interactions that you have preceding that in the film it, it feels like hey, maybe there's like a little bit more to this or there's some subtext there but um, it's not necessarily like implying that they're lovers or something like that but it's just like oh like the performance kind of adds this extra little dimension to their relationship I think by the end yeah. so, Joel what did you like about this movie well like I said I I, I feel bad getting bored with the movie but it, it wasn't like I said I, I think that um, the movie has things that make it special like so uh, I, I did like the uh, the stuff that had neorealist to me you know watching somebody do an entire chore there was one that happened in the second half of the movie and I can't remember what was going on I was like oh okay we're just gonna keep going on here okay there's a lot um, of stuff that happens in the background too. Like I feel like this is a film that's really shot for being seen on the big screen. Like there, you know, there's no concern about home video at all. So like when you see the way it's framed with these like, you know, wide shots, long takes, you'll have like extras in the background like doing stuff, and it's like you know if you're watching this on a massive screen, you can probably make out what they're doing, and it feels like everyone's kind of performing in a way that goes beyond just like. Uh, fill the space extras like you see people doing tasks and doing things with their faces and performing and it feels like Visconti probably directed that or second unit director I don't know somebody was like directing those extras in a way that kind of makes it interesting to look at in detail but like it's a little bit tricky to kind of soak all that up on a smaller screen there's like some scenes where like um, I think it's it's during the election scene or not not election um, like the voting on Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's uh, they're like in a building and I, I noticed just like watching it now that like if you squint you can see like outside the building and there's like graffiti or something written on the wall that's like on the building across from it and it just feels like oh there's there's detail here that I'm clearly not seeing because I'm watching this on DVD and not you know in a movie theater but yeah and, I, and there are like scenes of like nothing happening besides people walking through a room but yep. the extras are always doing something. There's a part towards the end when a bunch of uh, the soldiers and some of the women are dancing, and people just keep walking through a room, and it's like five minutes. But <laughs> for some reason, it's I found that part towards, towards the end really engrossing. I mean, that's Even way more interesting than like somebody just sitting there like pontificating. Like yeah. <laughs> it is. It's. I think it is. Um, anyway, it's, Joel. Uh, was there more stuff that you liked about it or uh, st- uh, stuck out to you? Lee, I think... Mm, 
Yeah, because I don't even... It, it felt not only like... Well, I mean, it's like almost an extreme contrast to the people doing things in the background as would be happening in real life, but the... Um, some, the actors felt like they were doing a stage play to me, you know, mm -hmm. and that's probably also because we spent so much time in one room for a long, you know, there wasn't that many different set changes in context of the the length of the movie. Maybe I, they, they acted a little robotic to me, and maybe I'm also mixing it up because of that Italian dub. Why'd they do that? Because hmm? Burt Lancaster couldn't speak Italian? Bullshit. <laughs> I mean, like, that was the style of filmmaking for Italian movies, where basically, like, everything was done post-sync. You would have actors from all over, and they would just speak in their own language, and then it would dub over, dub over top. Um, you know, they wouldn't even record sound in a lot of cases. Like, it, or most cases, it would just all be done in post-production. Um, you know, like every, all the spaghetti westerns, all the jolly movies, like it's, it's always that kind of disconnect of, you know, the, the voice is, is, uh, Spencer, not there. what's going it's, on? The, I, <laughs> the, the, uh, you, you guys record me enough. I, I live near a fire station. No, now we can hear. You're it really loud, and like we can hear things. something in the background, like somebody's going to. Yeah, exactly. Really? Yeah. Um, Something some wasn't here. There you but, go. It got quieter. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, like that was the style of filmmaking for Italian movies, where you would just film with everyone speaking in their own languages, and then do all the sound in post. So you would do an English version where everyone's dubbed in English, you would do the Italian version, everyone stepped in Italian, do a you know, French version, German version, whatever. Um, see, see, I, I remember exactly when I learned this, that you just remind me, and uh, it's not Quentin Tarantino, no, it's when on the, our episode of Please Don't Send Me Outer Space, which the sci-fi podcast I used to do, on a movie called A Man Called Rage. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's, they're <laughs> Their voiceovers were outrageous, which made the movie even better. I, I did a, and not not so much the story, but I ripped off the title for for something called a man named Sin. But <laughs> I, awesome. I, I find like when it works well, there's something even like a little bit dreamy about that post sync sound that I find kind of I don't know hypnotic. Like there, there is something that puts me in this like other other state of mind when I'm, I'm watching these films that are dubbed even if it's if it's in the italian language it's like somebody's getting dubbed <laughs> you know, they're all they're all dubbed it's like you know the post sync uh sound so like there's some kind of like disconnect where yeah yeah no it, it, it makes me feel like I'm, I'm watching a dream sometimes you know yeah, when you're like watching, it, uh, it works well in like stuff like suspiria yeah, that's yeah. what and, I was just gonna say. And like in in like Fulci, it works well because like yeah. it has that odd feeling to it. But if it's if it's a historical costume drama, maybe not. Yeah. So I mean, it works <laughs> your for point, me yeah. in westerns too. Like I've never, never uh, had any issue. Have you have well, you seen the first Django original Django? Yes, oh. but only the English dub. 
Yeah, the English dub. I, my memory of it. We, we'll we'll cover that one in a, in a as some what, in the near future. What's your but, name, Mister Django? Uh, Django, what you got in that box? This box, it's Django. <laughs> I think my mixed reaction to the first Django was kind of based off the dub being, at least to me, too goofy sounding. I mean, there's a lot of bad dub <laughs> versions of films out there. Like, it's it's pretty rare to find a good dub. Um, some people would say that like there are no good dubs, but I, I think like some you can tell that they've clearly gone through more effort than others and it can oh, kind yeah. of make or break a film if you're watching it that way but um, there is an English version and it's it's shorter um, so I don't know if you may want to check it out someday it's oh, yeah. about like That's the US cut. 20 25 minutes shorter or something like that uh, I saw it once like 12 years ago um, and it, it didn't leave enough of an impression on me to think like it was drastically different than the Italian version, but uh, maybe I should give it a rewatch sometime soon. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Joel, are you open to more Fasconti? We're not going to do any more Fasconti, but <laughs> are, but like, uh, but for fun, are you gonna? What, what are you interested in seeing the other ones? I just added a bunch of them to my watch list. Um, the ones that are available somewhere to rent. No, Criterion's so got a couple of them. Uh, there's, um, like, they, they released a Blu-ray for The Damned and uh, Death in Venice. Um, Arrow's got the Ludwig film. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if, maybe they're on the Criterion channel or something like that. Uh, Senso has a, has at least a DVD. I don't know if there's a Blu-ray. Yeah, that's uh, Senso's on Criterion and... I think it's the Death in Venice, maybe. Yeah. But Death in uh, Venice, Rocco and his brothers. <laughs> what was what, Death in Venice? Uh, do, do you know anything about that film? The uh, story. I I looked at the very first sentence of the Wikipedia thing, and then I was like, okay, I think I'm already I, sold. Uh, I I, uh, so. I rented that when I was in university. We had like the the school film library. We could just like rent stuff out for like four hours. I had no idea what the film was about. I just knew the title. I'm like, oh, there's a death in Venice. Maybe that'll be an interesting movie. And it was just sort of that like slow realization, like, oh, this is what that movie is. <laughs> so it was a it was a big surprise to me at the time. Yeah, that's well, I was expecting a leper in this movie, so I know how you feel. Yeah, yeah, it's not quite bringing up baby, but yeah, like, given the um, like. The, the like the wealth opulence in this I was expecting them to go like on a like wild animal hunt or have them to have like a leopard skin thing in the house of like uh, like Burt Lancaster character being like oh I killed that leopard when I was a, a, a young prince or something like that I would not expect to he kind of looks like a leopard with the facial hair <laughs> He is the leopard. He's he's the endangered noble species that's that's gonna go extinct. Like that's kind of what oh, he, yeah. he, he like that he is. Um, but I, I know what you mean that there could have been maybe, maybe there is in the book. I don't know, but maybe no, no. I, there, there's not a real leopard. Is the he says we're leopards. Yeah, yeah. He has a whole the little speech about the the new guys are the hyenas and the something else jackals or something. You can just call them something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, have you read the book? No. <laughs> oh. 
has been translated to English? Uh, I think so. Just because, uh, like, when I was looking on YouTube for, you know, if there were any interviews or, with Burt Lancaster or Visconti, I saw, like, some people had reviews of the book. Um, I didn't watch them, but I guess, I don't know, like, they, they looked like the reviews were in English, so I guess maybe there's an English version out there. I mean, it's it's pretty famous, so I, I wouldn't be surprised um, if there's a translation out there. Yeah, it's like uh, it, but based off what the movie is, I imagine it's probably like the for uh, like the lack of a better uh, uh, example, like the Italian Gone with the Wind, basically. That's, that's, what I'm that's kind of what they they pitch it as. It's um, which you know I what? have I haven't seen Gone with the Wind. I just know it's really long, and I used to get it mixed up with. Uh, that musical about the nuns singing and their Nazis in it. What do you call that movie? The, the um, that sixties music. music. Or yeah, yeah, sound music. I always get those two mixed up. Oh, okay. That's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm looking on uh, Amazon.com right now, and it looks like there is an English translation of the Leopard available. Uh, actually, there's a couple. There's like revised translation, new material. How many pages is it? All right, uh, t- take taking bets. Who wants to guess how many pages long this book is? I want to go like a Stephen King one thousand, but I'm I'm gonna guess probably close to seven hundred. Yeah, I'll do. Uh, I'll do four hundred, Pat. Oh wait, no. Okay, it's uh, it's only three hundred thirty six pages. I guess oh. it's probably like the film is just every scene in the book like if, if yeah. it, you know if you do that then uh, yeah yeah this, mo- would, this, most this would be about the year yeah. you get okay all right well that's, that was worth yeah. looking up <laughs> good yeah like the usual thing is take a short story and expand it to a feature and this seems like taking a long take a normal book and expand it to a, a long even longer movie yeah i think like because of just how grandiose it is and the kind of length of it that's one of the reasons why it, like there was some American funding to get this made and that's one of the reasons why you had Burt Lancaster star instead of um, an Italian actor in the lead role uh, I, I forget who but like I know Burt Lancaster wasn't Visconti's first choice but they kind of um, I read it, it was uh, Laurence Olivier oh I mean that would have also been eh, I like Lancaster better that's <laughs> but, I mean, never heard it, of that guy. <laughs> I, I can see that work taking you. To be yeah. fair, but like, um, if it was Italian, maybe like, um, first thought was Marcello Mastroianni, but that that wouldn't make, that wouldn't work. No, what about Bud Spencer? Uh, uh, you know, I mean, since Terrence Hero's already there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only I would love if Bud Spencer was there uh, as as a soldier. I, I think if you do, Banana if joke. you do like a comedy version about this like period where they're both soldiers <laughs> and they're like changing sides and stuff like that, that would be funny. That would be cool. Um, but like, I guess Lancaster really liked. He really, really liked working on this film. He always talked about it as like one of the highlights of his career, and like he got along well enough with Visconti that they made another film together, um, Conversation Piece, which is kind of like mm. a more contemporary uh, kind of story. But um, yeah, no, yeah. I, anyway, that's 
that's kind yeah. of the, the gist of it. I, I don't know if there are any other thoughts or any questions. Or uh, you guys are thinking. I don't know. Well, well, I guess like I can just spring this on you, Martin, since you've seen a lot of movies. Uh, we've talked about a lot of Italian directors so far. Uh, Visconti, Tinto Brass, um, Argento, uh, uh, Antonioni. Like, do you have general thoughts on any of like the ones we've uh, talked about that you, know, you can think of? Uh, like, I mean, I can say in general, I think at that like period in time, uh, you know, a little bit after post-war, 1950s, early 60s, I think like Italian cinema was like the most stylish in the world. <laughs> like you even pick like a mediocre film and it's like, God, like uh, Hollywood films were never this like slick and cool. And um, I, I think the only other place at the same time that was doing something comparable is uh, Japanese cinema, where you kind of feel like there's just that like vibrancy of like, hey, this is what we can do with film, and you have all these interesting filmmakers, and it's it's like very stylish. Um, so that's that was something I was sort of thinking when I was diving like a little bit further into mm. Italian yeah. cinema, um, because like the, like this part of Italian cinema, like like the fifties, like that's why I like the neorealist stuff in the early fifties. I haven't really gone. To like the more prestigious side of things of this era, I, I usually stick with like the Mario Bava. Uh, I mean, that, that stuff's great too. Like yeah. Bava, and you know, if you look at his uh, horror films, and uh, have, have you ever seen any film by Steno? Mostly uh, comedies. Um, I know they. I, I know their name, but I've never seen any. I love Steno's movies. That was something I sort of got into more recently. I saw this film called. Um, Nero's Mistress, which I had this idea like a while back where I'm like, you know, I was reading Twelve Caesars and thinking, you know, if you if you ever did a biopic about Emperor Nero, it would it would have to be a comedy. Like you can't take that guy seriously. And then I watched this film, Nero's Mistress, and it's like, oh, like clearly like Steno had the same idea because it's just it'll pull historical facts and it just makes it hilarious because it's so absurd and he's such a like turbulent man child and then i kind of got into this whole thing where i watched a couple of his other films and they're so funny and i don't know it's always that thing where like people talk about like ah oh, well like you know humor it's it's uh, specific to culture and it doesn't always translate and stuff but like I, I feel like all his films are just hilarious or you know the best of them anywhere like completely hilarious to any audience um so that's that's an italian filmmaker i would kind of recommend if anybody's curious to check out somebody whose name and I think like you know Europe people everyone probably knows his name but uh, over here I, I don't ever hear Steno really come up so he's uh, hmm. he's somebody I'd recommend uh, have you seen any uh, Antonio Margaretti I think that's his name he, like he did some of the gothic horror movies of the early 60s like Castle of Blood Long Hair of Death I think he did like a giallo or two later on. Yeah, I think he's got a couple of giallo movies. Um, I probably have. Oh, you know what? I've, I've seen. Uh, <laughs> I, I would have to look up some more, but he, I've definitely seen at least your <laughs> The Hunter from the Future. Oh, I forgot he did that. 
Oh, yeah, long haired dev. Uh, yeah, he's got like couple like he's in Commando films. He's done sort of like a lot of sort of genre and exploitation type movies. Um, I've seen a couple of these, not not everything, but uh, he's got a lot of movies. Alien from the Deep. I've seen um, not the film itself, but I've seen the Red Letter Media <laughs> review of that. <laughs> um, Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> it's it's like when people say like, oh I. Oh my god! I was I was uh, talking to somebody about this Russian film uh, Ilya Muromance that uh, recently got a Blu-ray release, and then like I was telling a friend about, it and they're like, eh, "I don't need to see it. I've seen the MST3K version." <laughs> I was like, "No, <laughs> you can't. It's not comparable. It's not the same." <laughs> you saw the like butchered dub version with robots making fun of it. <laughs> So I'm like, no, you got to see the real movie. They're like, no, no, I, I got it. Yeah, when you look up uh, Antonio Margaretti, the name, the picture that shows up is Eli Roth from Glorious Bastards. I knew that was what you were going to say. So I, guess the, so I guess yeah. that character is named after? I haven't yeah, seen that I movie. I think all in... those directors are, are named okay. after, like, either Italian filmmakers or okay. yeah, actors. I, yeah, I haven't seen that movie in probably at least 13 years. So yeah. I don't remember much. I remember like, that, that scene. Detail. Yeah. When the when the Americans trying to pass themselves off selves yeah. off as uh, Italians and like Christoph Waltz, he speaks, <laughs> you know, he speaks German, he speaks French, he speaks English. Of course, he speaks Italian. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the that scene has a music cue that I've been at the time I was looking for and I could never find anything that specified. It's when the camera's panning through the theater. And it's this little piece of music that I've kind of been obsessed with. Like I want to know where it's from because oh, um, I might be able to find yeah. that out for you. I, I sort of yeah. remember. It's not that. on the soundtrack. I can remember checking the soundtrack for it. Is it is it like an electric guitar riff or something? It's yeah, I think it's a, a bass or a guitar, and it's like a very. It's like maybe thirty seconds, and, th- okay. and that's about it. I might. I mean take a look at that um i mean it's funny too talking about italy like um especially at the period when the leopard said it, it's like really was basically a bunch of different countries and like sometimes you still have i guess artifacts left over from that today um i so i went to italy once when i was a kid with my uh, grand uncle and we went in the north, and everybody spoke German. Nobody spoke Italian mm. there, so it feels like fraudulent to say I've been there. <laughs> like I, I did not, you know, I didn't go to Rome. I didn't go to, you know, Pompeii or anything like that. I would like, I would love to do that today, but like, it's just funny that um, my my Italian experiences had had very little Italian in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you went to like the the snowy mountain parts. Yeah, yeah, my. Um, my grand uncle, he's still alive, but it, when he was younger, he used to like climb mountains and stuff like that. Uh, I think he climbed the Matterhorn, maybe. I don't know. Hope I'm remembering that right. <laughs> the the real one, not the Disneyland one. Okay, I was gonna say, which <laughs> can we? Because I'd like to see that too. Although <laughs> in Disneyland, you do sometimes see people climbing the Matterhorn, but you know, park worker people. Is that a Disneyland exclusive, or is that at Disney World also? I, I, I get the mixed up. I'm not. I'm not sure which is which. It's <laughs> definitely at Disneyland, which is the California one. Yeah, I've been to World a few times. I don't remember 
the Matterhorn. Looking it up. Well, uh, World has yeah. Animal Kingdom, which is the best Disney park thing ever. Yeah, it looks like it is just Disneyland. Oh, okay. Sorry, losers. No, it's not fun. That that roller coaster, unless they've fixed it up since... I mean, they must have. I, I went on it, like, 20 years ago. Uh, it, like, it's just, like, super shaky as you're going down the... The, the slopes and stuff like that it's, it's really uncomfortable mm. and then an abominable snowman actually kills people so you have to be really careful yeah uh, wait do you guys have well you aren't in California anymore but do, do they is the uh, Avatar Land just Disney World I, I wouldn't imagine they, they don't usually add to the land add part. like the, the movie stuff to them yeah. oh, okay. isn't it in like Magic Kingdom or something? I, I thought it was like... Uh, it's in... Uh, Avatar World is in uh, Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom, right. I don't really know why it's there. And then... <laughs> the, we gotta put it somewhere. <laughs> Hollywood Studios has uh, the Star Wars Land, which is actually really cool, and a Muppet Land and a, Star, and a Toy Story Land. I would see the Avatar Land sometime. That's... Uh, Did you see like, Muppet Land? wild about the film but it's it, I've heard like all the stuff that they do with like the making it look like mountains are floating and stuff like that in the Avatar Land is pretty cool yeah. actually. Uh, yeah, yes Joel there's like a Muppet section of the Hollywood Studios and yeah, the World one in Florida. Okay so it's, it's at Disney World Yes. and there's a subsection called Hollywood Studios Yes and then inside Hollywood Studios, there's a Muppet Land. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a Muppet Muppet section, and there's a, a Toy Story section that has uh, an, a really cool arcade ride. And uh, it has the Star Wars section. Okay, and if I go to Muppet Land, they will become my best friends forever and ever and ever? Uh, there's a fun Muppet. Just, um, like, just as long as you pay for the... <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like 3D, 3D thing that... Uh, I really like that a uh, friend of the show, uh, Josh Hollis, thinks it's cheesy and bad, which was he, Muppet you know? Thing. Yeah, he Even thinks though. it. Yeah. It, it's really fun. I don't, I don't get why he's so grumpy about it. No, you're usually the grumpy one. Um, well, I love the Muppets, even mediocre current state Muppets. I still, I will still watch it, even though it's notably mm-hmm. not as good. <laughs> As Another old. thing we have in common. All right, can, can I just say that Muppets Most Wanted was better than the Muppets reboot movie? Uh, I didn't actually like the Muppet <laughs> reboot movie, no, so I didn't I, I, even bother with the second one. Muppets Most Wanted is actually funny, though. Like, there are jokes in it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think it's in the trailer where um, you have, like, they're like, oh, we're going to let the Muppets out at the gulag, and, like, Danny Trejo just says, I'm a Muppet, <laughs> and uh, starring the late great Ray Liotta. So, oh, now I have to see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would recommend Muppets Most Wanted. That's that's what we're here to talk about in this podcast, right? Yeah. It's, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I want to make it. Recommendations, Muppet yeah. movies. Yeah, I want to make 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 it clear that I it's I it's not that I don't like the leopard. It's just it's it it didn't work. It doesn't work for me. Like that well but 
Like it, like parts of it are just like really boring and parts of it are really exhilarating. But overall, it's just kind of like didn't leave much, uh, much impression on me. And uh, I think I like it more new Joel a little bit. Are we talking about the movie or are we still talking about Muppet Land? The Leopard. I think I like the oh, Leopard okay. a little more new, but... What if what if the Leopard had Muppets? I was just about to tweet. <laughs> I demand Muppet remakes of popular movies, so... <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I think it might make it better. Oh, if it was like 89 minutes long and musical and stirred the Muppets... Yeah, I, I was trying to imagine if New Zealand would be one of the children, like the, the Pierre Clemente one, or he'd be like a random noble who's friends with them. Probably, I, I think probably the random noble. Um, you'd have to have uh, Miss Piggy in the Claudia Cardinal role. Um, you'd have to have like some humans in there, but uh, yeah. Have like Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat during the revolution. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, oh Gonzo has to be the Terrence Hill, and the oh, yeah, the yeah. daughter has to be Camilla. <laughs> <laughs> I like where this podcast has ended up. <laughs> Do you guys remember like a month ago, Nick Cage said he wanted to be in a thing with the Muppets. Uh, yes. I missed that, but I, I could see Nicolas Cage in the Muppet thing. I think the perfect thing would be uh, he steals Camilla from Gonzo, and they become romantic rivals. That'd be great. I, <laughs> I'm completely for this idea. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm uh, down. Yeah, and, and on the Camilla thing, there's some British royal old lady named Camilla or something. I don't know his British royalty shit outside of the Queen. <laughs> what and are you talking about? Prince and, and, and <laughs> Prince Charles' uh, wife, I, fu- I think. Now I don't fucking know who these people are. They're so old. They're also Canadian there. royalty, technically. So. Oh, sorry, Martin. It's been my guest. But uh, like Camilla was trending, I was like, "Is there a new Muppets thing? Is there?" A, a, <laughs> and like, oh, it's this British royalty. I don't, I don't care about this. Yeah, it's like I, I think most people don't like British Camilla. I don't. I don't have an opinion. Okay. I was disappointed. I know, I I know about her, but I don't know the woman myself. Uh, well, it's royalty. <laughs> I don't so know her cares. personally, but <laughs> I'm sure. No, I don't think they're good people. <laughs> you need to stop yourself there. Yeah, yeah. I, I after the whole interview with Markle about the racism, like I don't think they're good people. I can't even, can't even say that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, the Leopard is not on Criterion Channel. Uh, I had to rent it off of Google. And I Google rented Play. it off of YouTube. Yeah, and uh, there, uh, there must be Criterion. I feel like there is one. Yeah, the, is it a yeah. print? There's definitely a Criterion DVD. Um, I think they also released a Blu-ray at some point. And uh, yeah, it's it's out there. It's easily available. If, uh, if you don't want to pay fifty dollars for the <laughs> Blu-ray, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a three-disc DVD. It's still in print. Um. Yeah, and 
I don't know. It's yeah, give it a shot. See if you like uh, like costume like a three hour Italian costume drama. Maybe you do. Maybe maybe you won't. Who cares? Best case scenario, you love it. Worst case scenario, you get a nice nap out of it. So yeah, yeah. I don't think he was. I might be wrong, but I feel like uh, Tarkovsky said. Uh, I found some quote or interview with him where he said like he didn't mind when people fell asleep during Stalker, but it's I don't nice know. It's nice to fall asleep during some movies. Like that, yeah. there are some movies, they're not like. This is not like me trying to say like, oh, this is a bad movie. There's some movies I love to fall asleep to because they kind of like um, Le Jete is is one like that for me where it'll just. It's like a sleeping pill, but like it's a great movie. It's a dream, um, not yet, you know. So th- there are a couple of those. I f- I think I told this story before, but like the first time I rented Solaris from the library, I put it oh. on, and it was like it gets to the scene where um, the astronauts uh, being driven all over the the kind of Japan cityscape, and I fell asleep, and I think I slept for like. 10 hours or something ridiculous <laughs> like I, I wasn't just like a light nap I was like out for a while so it took me a while to finally watch all the Solaris which I, I like the movie but it, it, it definitely put me to sleep the first time yeah. I saw it uh, I mean Stalker definitely will I I, I, I think I started it at, at like 9 or 10 at night which not the time to watch Stalker you, you kind of no, need no. to be fully awake or well <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think it is kind of like a valid way to watch Stalker if you're kind of like drowsy and not fully alert. Like, I, I think that's a fun way to watch Stalker, actually. You know, there's times where I watch Stalker, I'm like, wait, what, when did it turn into color? What, I missed that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is. What year is it? Like, I think part of my reaction to this movie was we just recorded an episode on, on Judex. Oh, which yeah. was probably the most fun movie. Judex is have. a blast. Like that's, yeah, a really entertaining movie. And it's jumping from like like the fun Adam West Batman antics of Judex into this was, for me, a big whiplash. Uh, thank you. That's uh, something else I was meaning to say that I totally forgot about. But y- yeah, I mean, this <laughs> I feel bad picking on this movie. <laughs> it's not. It's a good movie. You should watch yeah. it. Also watch listening to this. Oh, yeah, also watch Judex. That movie. But fucking watch Judex rules. afterwards yeah. if you found this to be boring. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's like it's like Batman sixty six goofiness. It's it's the best. It's really. Martin, cool. you got opinions on it? On Judex? Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. I, I love it. I love like the this, even the like silent serials that it's inspired by, like the original Judex and uh, Le Vampire and. Fantomas, like those are all really fun to watch, and it just kind of condenses it and turns it all into like a single film, and it's it's really entertaining. I feel like, yeah, just watch Judex. <laughs> you can't you can't resist the attempt. I'm you know what I'm gonna put it on like after we're done talking. I'm staring at it on my shelf right now. Like, uh, it, it's calling to me. So, all right. And uh, yeah, before we get to recommendations and all that, Martin, you have uh, you'll be back for a Simbin movie, the World War Two one. Yeah, yeah, and, I'm looking uh, forward to that. Thank you for yeah. recommending the site that uh, that was available on. I'm like, oh my uh, god, it's got all these films I've been looking for for like years uh, or films I've never heard of. It's, yeah, uh, the, the site also has the Safi Fei feature film on there too, uh, which 
I've been looking for for such a long time. I'm a feature film from Cameroon. They've got like so many films that are kind of hard to track down. It's it's really cool. Yeah, I I probably shouldn't put too much of a spotlight on it because I feel like that would probably get it (laughs) shut down. But yeah, I'm glad it exists. Yeah, I I got the ear off of that site too. (laughs) But uh, anyway, yeah, uh, uh, you can find. yeah, so uh, uh, you know the some Ben movies and some other stuff if you look in the right places, but uh, you also will be back for Django, and I think that's it. Yeah, um, well, thank you also for having me on so often during this podcast season. Um, I feel really lucky to be a guest, and I always have fun. Yeah, and uh, this, this, yeah, you're you're always welcome here. And yes, you you are an excellent guest. Yeah, you make us seem stupid, which is probably <laughs> That's the my goal. Intention. It's absolutely the goal of this podcast. Yeah, just yeah, to get people so. smarter than us on here to tell us what what's what. No, I, yeah. I like talking about Lucino Visconti's Muppets Most Wanted. So it's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah, it's always yeah. a blast. Yeah, but this is sixty three, and we've covered sixty three kind of a lot, and. uh just listen to the other movies from that year if you want to hear my recommendations. I'm not going to go through all of them again. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff from 63. And uh, Joel, do you have anything? Uh, I'm looking. Does Martin have anything? Uh, yeah, I, I got a 1963 film. Um, there's this movie called Prog Blues, which I only saw for the first time, I guess, last year. It was on uh, YouTube. There's like an official Czech movie restoration uh, YouTube channel where they put up a bunch of stuff for free and it's uh, it's about a African student who's studying in Prague and it's it's a really sweet funny bittersweet good movie it's it's pretty brief and fast-paced and it's uh, it's a good little movie so if you want something that just kind of feels like a you know jazzy palate cleanser it's funny it's sexy it's it's good just check it out <laughs> alright and uh well, I guess I should mention it again Charade um the uh, uh, Audrey Hepburn my favorite actress uh, Charade's great it's uh yep. you know if you haven't seen it watch it if, if, if you haven't seen it in a while watch it it's you know, it, it really is a classic for a reason that was the film that got me to buy my first blu-ray player so i was like ah dvd's good enough and like uh you know older film if if it's the same transfer as the dvd it's it's no big deal and then i saw a little bit of charade on blu-ray and like all the colors were popping and all the detail was there i'm like oh i gotta get a blu-ray player (laughs) so that was the one that sold me on it yeah it it, that's a movie where i forget who like half the cast and my oh, watch was like, cast. I was like, holy Walter fuck, that's James, Des- jo- James Coburn yeah. and George <laughs> Kennedy. I forgot George Kennedy was in that movie. It's a great cast. It's uh, yeah. A lot of people say, like, oh, it's like the best Hitchcock film that Hitchcock never directed, but it's it's better than most Hitchcock films. So. Uh, 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 agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, I think I've heard people say, like, Hepburn it was, too, was too petite for Hitchcock. Uh... I, I like I just could picture him terrorizing her, and it's like, oh, I don't want that. 
it's like same I, as when you hear like Audrey Hepburn almost starting The Exorcists, um, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, like just thinking of her getting like yanked on wires and puked on it. It's like, oh, I, I don't want to see that. I, I feel <laughs> like I feel like she probably would have met Friedkin and be like, this guy's a fucking lunatic. No, I, Wait, who, I think she who said, is she supposed to play uh, Father Karras? No, but uh, the the mother of uh, Reagan in it. Um, oh, okay. But yeah. like, I, I think she said she would like. She almost agreed to do it, but she's like, "But you'll have to come and fi- film it like in Italy while I'm here. Like, I don't want to like move around for this." And they're like, "No, we're not doing that." But hmm. yeah, that could have been Spencer's favorite movie, but no. Well, with her, no. It, it still has like the Catholic angle, so no. You love it. That's a, that's a false that's a falsehood. I love the sequel because Borman is the best. <laughs> We're gonna have to talk about it sometime. The sequel. Yeah. That's it. I'm starting another podcast. Okay. Borman cast. So, <laughs> uh, Martin, do you want to plug anything? Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Movie Kessler and. Uh, I've got lots of cool projects on the way. Uh, I've got an audio commentary for Batman Mask of the Phantasm, the animated film that's over on The Pink Smoke. Um, I've got a few podcast appearances coming up. I'm working on a big, meaty essay about like architecture and science fiction and economics and all this stuff, which uh, should be really exciting once it's finished. And yeah, I guess that's it for now. Just follow me on Twitter, and that's kind of where I post all my new projects and things. Okay. Uh, for me, I I have a thing I'm work I I was working on before for Grumpire, then I stopped for over a year, and I'm finally I have I took a break for summer from school, so I'm gonna I just started working on it again. So hopefully, I'll as of the recording have it done soon-ish, if possible. And uh, be cool. Yeah, if 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 you're curious about what it is, I can tell you after recording. But uh, yeah, and uh, I've been on you know movies from hell a whole bunch and other shows. It's always a fun, chaotic experience to be on movies from hell. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be on pretty soon, ish. I think actually, to, I actually need to talk to him about that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that well. We'll, well, we'll see how that goes <laughs> when that episode happens. Uh, Joel? Let me see. I'm looking up something that I'm, will help me remember what the hell I'm supposed to say. Okay, there it is. Yeah, so uh, besides this podcast, me and Spencer do the Arbitrary Indiscriminate Movie Podcast, which is uh, not like this one because this one's kind of classy and that one is more about uh, talking about the movie if we feel like it, otherwise talking about uh, professional wrestling or uh, what, what else have we hit? Uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? Mm-hmm. Real Housewives and uh, Mortal Kombat and the various stories behind characters uh, and other assorted things. I think that one time Spencer and, and Mel, uh, who does it with his Melanie Daniels, Daniels, sorry. Uh, talked about wrestling, which I know nothing about for about... Hmm, it feels like it was 20. It was probably really only about eight minutes. Yeah. But uh, by the t- I finally interrupted by saying... 
I, no, I can't remember what I said. Well, I guess you'll have to listen to the episode to find uh, out. That was on... Gnome Named Gnorm? A Gnome Named Norm episode. And there are another uh, 11 popping, uh, piping hot episodes ready for you to check out. And if you don't uh, you think forgot that, to mention, that is enough for you. You forgot to mention that. My 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 friend Danny Stearns was on the gnome episode. Oh, you guys have talked about wrestling more than once. That Anyways, is true. if if that is uh, those episodes are not enough to satisfy you, we actually have a Patreon for that, which will soon be combined with this podcast, so that uh, uh, Spencer can get paid for his voice lessons just go to patreon.com slash AIM podcast and I've got YouTube stuff if you search JDT games you will find my YouTube stuff I've done a let's play of Day of the Tango Remastered right now I'm I'm playing Elden Ring and taking my sweet sweet time with it oh my god I loved Elden Ring but I probably went through it too fast the first time I, I like I was talking about it with uh, James Hancock on a YouTube video, so like I rushed to get in as far into the game as possible to do this video, mm-hmm. which was like the week after it came out, and I, I think like my eyes were this close to like literally bleeding. I, I was looking in the mirror and I was just completely bloodshot after a weekend of playing <laughs> it. So, uh, but I, I really love that game. <laughs> yeah. I like it, love it, definitely love it. Actually, at this point, still. So, but Spencer won't play it. Oh, there's only one game coming out this year I'm excited for. Mm. Well, uh, well, two. One came out already. And I can't play it because I don't have a good enough computer. I have no idea. Uh, Blazing Strike. It's a 2D fighter like the old SNK Capcom 90s games. Uh, there's a game, my girlfriend was playing this game where it was like 2D Street Fighter looking thing, side scroller fighting game. I'm trying to remember what it was called, but it was like sort of retro looking. But it was it was a newer game. Um, Streets of Rage is that it? Is that a thing? Uh, there yes, was a new... there was a Streets of Rage yeah. four. There's a new okay, one. Okay, Streets too. of Rage. Yeah. Anyway, that that looked cool. I didn't play it, but yeah, yeah I, I really liked the Double Dragon one that came out a couple years ago. Now so looks about the same way. So let's stop talking since we're just stop talking about the movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pre-order, hey, if you're listening to pre-order Blazing Strike, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll talk to you guys, L- listen to the end for the other stuff. The show can be found on Twitter at PianoPlayerPod. Our email is still highlowpod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fop, and our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art, sarahkathleenroberts.com, and thank you for listening.